What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show, episode 30 of the For the Bird podcast, and my guest today is another personal favorite of mine, Danny Stillman from Drop Dead Gorgeous, and most recently, 888. Danny and I run through every Drop Dead Gorgeous, Bleach Blonde, 888 album. He gives us his personal favorite song from each record. He talks about his influences growing up, which include bands like Nirvana, The Used, and he mentions how Adam Lazaro of Taking Back Sunday is also a huge influence of his. And since we both grew up loving the same style of music and bands, I make him answer the age-old question, Taking Back Sunday or Brand New. Everyone knows where I stand on that, and you'll have to listen to see what Danny thinks. Also, find out if there's any chance of a Drop Dead Gorgeous reunion in the near future, and check out Danny's profile on FeaturedX.com. He's offering a wide range of vocal features, including stuff like 888 and Bleach Blonde to the heavier Drop Dead Gorgeous sound as well, so definitely hit him up if you're interested in that. Also, be sure to share this episode on social media and tag For The Burke to have a chance to win a $20 Dancing Gnome Beer gift card. Enjoy, guys. Nope. Mr. Pop Okay, so today I have, after all of my annoying messaging and everything on Instagram, I do apologize about that, but we finally made it work. Today I have Danny Stillman, the lead singer from Drop That Gorgeous and 888. What's going on, man? Thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, dude, thanks for having me. Sorry for taking so long to set this up. I've been, uh, I'm sure like everyone, this freaking pandemic has like, you know, completely changed my life. And, you know, I just had a kid, so I'm just like, busy all the time you know i was up till like 4 a.m last night working on music so i'm just like <laughs> yeah that's well good congratulations on on your kid that's that's awesome um uh where, where we normally get started here just some kind of just your earlier musical influences when you knew you wanted to play music for a living or when you knew that was an actual possibility um so i mean probably have to ask my mom but i mean i was like i want to say probably like four or five just like banging on stuff my first thing was like drums. I'd love to hit things and like kind of play drums and stuff. And mm-hmm. that's kind of my first major instrument I started, but I like to sing when I was like, you know, six years old, I started to get kind of serious about it when like probably around like 11 or something like that. Um, I kind of grew up like early influences like grunge era was pretty big because my sister was like, she's like four years older than me. So she kind of grew up in the like grunge era so smashing pumpkins nirvana stuff like that um kind of, kind of get that nirvana vibe kind of from from some of those uh like the hot and heavy album stuff like that uh, not maybe not the sound yeah. so much but like just the look and feel and everything yeah <laughs> uh, yeah oh i started to like really get into that as i got older too you know like when i was in my more teen years like the earlier stages of like drop dead gorgeous i was i was more heavily influenced with more current stuff you know like like Norma Jean was a big one. I liked the Bled, mm-hmm. like their Pass the Flask album was like. I can remember that one like right around before I kind of joined Drop Dead. 
was like I was doing music that was honestly more like pop punk, you know, mm-hmm. and like kind of more emo, like mm-hmm. Taking Back Sunday, that kind right. of stuff. I have and actually like, a question about Taking Back Sunday. I saw you did you you sang a uh, you sang Q without the E ones. There's something on uh, on YouTube that just from a long time ago you guys sang uh, like a kind of a uh, like acapella version of Q without the E. I'm like, man, I kind of get that vibe from them too. Like the like the Adam Lazara yeah. kind of maybe more oh, with yeah. like with Bleach Blonde, not with not with so much with yeah. uh, Drop the Gorgeous, but definitely have that that Taking Back Sunday feel kind of with with the Bleach Blonde stuff. But we'll we'll get into all that. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, man. Like, I mean, who doesn't who 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 doesn't like Taking Back Sunday and who hasn't been influenced by him? And if they're being honest, but it's like exactly that was like Taking Back Sunday was like my transition from you know, cause I was like a huge Blink fan. just like probably everyone else too. Mm-hmm. That transitioned me from Blink to kind of like Take Back Sunday was like one of those bands that just kind of pulled me into that scene a lot more. Like that's actually how I heard about Taking Back Sunday. I went to a Blink show and the used and Taking Back Sunday were opening for them. I'm like, Holy shit, this band's awesome. And then I'll, I'll, since like 2002, ever since then, like, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, man. The yeah. used is a great, huge influence also, you know, the used is amazing. For sure. Um, so what I do with a lot of the guys, little like album run through, if you're cool with that, would just, well, we, I know you have, we, we have a couple albums here with, uh, with each band we'll go through here, but, uh, if we want to start just with in Vogue, uh, we do like a, just a little story about the recording process or the writing process or whatever, whatever was going on during that time, uh, for each album and then your personal favorite song from each album. Okay. So let's see, it's been a while, I know, yeah. <laughs> but I can still, I can still remember a lot of stuff that you just really don't forget, you know, cause that was. In Vogue was my first, you know, full length I'd ever done. I'd done a lot of, you know, self, self-funded recording before, you know, before we ever got a like on Rise, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I mean, I remember that because I really was excited, man. We were like, we did so much pre-pro, we were so prepared for it. We were really, I mean, we had nothing else going on in our lives before we drove out to Oregon. We like drove like. Uh, um Rothy had we borrowed his like suburban his parents suburban mm-hmm. like gas guzzler so we mm-hmm. drove from Denver I don't know how many hours it is probably 14 or something like that to Oregon uh we made it up there we all stayed in like a like cheap hotel like it was like seven of six of us six of us in there I think we had like two beds and then like a I think we had like a blow up mattress and so we were staying there for a week i think we did it all in a week might have been 10 days at the time chris crummett you know he had a studio that he was not even really done building in his in a garage and it was like at his parents house mm-hmm. but it was in a garage it was like during his early stages too and um we were you know he had just finished like fear before the march of flames i'd help people shake that's kind of like why we wanted to go with them because we liked how that album sounded and it was really awesome. So we went out there and, you know, we, we had no idea what we were getting into. We just kind of started tracking stuff and luckily we were prepared for it. And Chris is just really good what he does, you know, like, and uh, he kind of, he kind of got the vibe that we were going for. So we just like, we hammered it out. Normally with a full length like that, you're usually spending like a month ideally. Mm-hmm. So we did it, I think it was 10 days and, and like we drove back home and he was still working on it, editing it and mixing it before we even got back home and stuff. But that was most of the stuff that went on there. We didn't really, none of us were old enough to go to bars. So we weren't, (laughs) we weren't going out and drinking or anything. I mean, 
Cooper and Kyle were like 15. Wow. So <laughs> I think, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I that's think crazy. Cooper's Isn't parents that, were that young recording that, that album. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Cooper's parents, I think came out with us actually. They followed <laughs> us. Cause that's I mean, cool. they were literally like too young to really, right to do much so like <laughs> like unsupervised at least and if you know cooper and kyle you can see why you wouldn't want to leave them unsupervised if you're the parents you know so what what would your favorite song from that your your personal favorite song from that album be uh let's see it has been so long i think i really like daniel where's the boat nice yep i really like that one and the cool story about that one is like the vocal melody in it it was like totally pretty much improv nice like on the spot like it wasn't even fin. that song wasn't even finished at all really when we brought it in there that was like the only song we did that was like it had some parts and everything but we literally like played parts for him and, and kind of like arranged it on the spot and then i was like oh let me try some vocal stuff over it and i tried tried it and did like some weird interval in it that's in the you know the only singing part in it yeah and like <laughs> We loved it, but he wanted me to double it and repeat it. And since it was new to me, I like couldn't, I was having a hard time repeating the same thing and I couldn't get it right. But eventually we finally figured it out and I'm glad we did. But that's, I think, definitely my favorite song and probably my favorite song title too on that album, just because it's like um, Open Water, the movie. I don't know if you ever saw that movie. No. Well, it's, uh, do you know, have you even heard of it? No. It was like, it wasn't that big. It was like, it was like one of those like Blair Witch Project style film mm-hmm. movies and they like get left behind. It's based on a true story. They go scuba diving and they like, um, they miscount the tanks when they come back up and they leave two people behind a couple wow. and they just drive off in the boat and they're just in the middle of the ocean. And so anyways, they come up <laughs> when they come up and realize where, that they're completely screwed. The, the chick comes up and just like, Daniel, where's the boat? So like that's where <laughs> that's the what, name came from. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, and we all just thought it was funny. And that's like, we got a name of this. This is funny. So that's awesome. Moving on here to what I think is one of the best concept albums of all time, at least of that that era, that genre, uh, worse than a fairy tale. Can you get into um just the idea behind that album, the story uh that that album is telling, and uh just obviously the recording process and like the uh the writing process of that album? Yeah, that one um that was a lot different you know like at that point we had had a lot of touring under our belts and the world had changed quite a bit for us I mean I kind of went I got really into man I watched way too many documentary kind of like like ID channel type stuff ID channel this is before I had ID channel not a lot of you know I was like this is back what this is like oh six oh seven I mean we're we're in like oh six oh seven at this point yeah yeah and it was like it was like forensic files was like what you had and stuff like that and like it was like nowadays i feel like it was a way more normal obsession oh yeah <laughs> but back then it's like everyone was like are you all right are you kind of are you crazy like what's what's going on with you and i was like no dude it's just fascinating to me like i don't know and so like i was really into all that stuff and i i was kind of inspired a lot by just films you know just like son of sam and like the Zodiac movie had come out, just stuff mm-hmm. like that. I just, I thought it was a really like inspiring, like this concept, like with the kind of music we were playing at the time, you know, it's like very dark and stuff. And I just thought it would be, a, it would set a good stage, like lyrically. So I kind of started getting into that and the, you know, and we went out, we had signed to Suretone at the time and we kind of got paired with Ross Robinson too. And so he kind of influenced my writing, just meeting him a couple of times before we even went out to record with him. I knew that he was like, 
if you listen to his other albums, they're just very serious. They're very emotional and just dark. And I felt like that would be the best like match for going to work with someone like Ross, as opposed to like writing about like breakups or something, you know what I mean? Or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, in Vogue was like more teen angst. And then, um, worse than a fairy tale got a little more serious. And, uh, that was, uh, I didn't really have a specific like plot or outline writing that concept or anything. It was just kind of like, I kind of took it where I went where it went, you know, like, and it evolved when we went out to LA, um, Living in LA and Venice Beach is a way different like environment than I was used to living in mm-hmm. in Denver. So that, you know, just learning a lot just through life experience too influences like how you write stuff and like different relationships you're in at the time and just I had I still wasn't old enough to drink mm-hmm. but I was drinking quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, so that also had an influence to it and just like it was fun, man. We were really excited about everything at the time. And, you know, times were just different back then. There wasn't, it was the MySpace days. There wasn't Instagram and, you know, not a lot of people had, I think like video stuff, like, you know, blogging and stuff, like putting a a post like every hour, like people do nowadays, like that just wasn't a thing back then. So like we were completely uninfluenced by social media other than MySpace, which back then was like posting a bulletin post you know like mm-hmm. for your your fans you yeah. know so it was you just talk, a completely different world <laughs> exactly and yeah. like and when you posted something it actually reached all of your fans yeah like it's not like facebook where they pick and choose like a thousand of your fans they want to send it to you if you don't pay for it or whatever yeah but so we were doing that like buzznet i think we had a phone from buzznet i don't you know if you remember that it was like I don't know. It was just like this back then, this fancy phone that was like a Nokia looking <laughs> phone that had a video feature on it. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty advanced for the time. We didn't even know how to work it. And we lost the charger like immediately. So it didn't, didn't get us anywhere, but that's funny. Well, what would your favorite song off worse, uh, worse than a fairy tale be? Oh, worse than a fairy tale. I think it's the last song that I want to master life and death. I really that, like yeah, that one. That's a good one. They're all, I mean, they're all good, but yeah. Is that, is it like a, is it more of a concept album from start to finish or is each song kind of its own little thing? Cause I remember I mean, you guys you know, online, you guys on your website at that time, for some reason, I remember this, you guys had like a, it was a, like each day or each, like something like each song was its own, like clue to solving a murder or something like that. I said, this was a while ago, but I kind of just, I remember that for some reason, like you go on the website and like each song was something different for a clue to solve the, like the the murder or whatever was happening. Is that, is that right? was that kind of happening. Yeah. I mean, each song was its own little story, but it's all tied into one town. Um, Sailor Sailor Lake was, I mean, I honestly, I kind of can't believe I'm remembering this to be honest, because I haven't (laughs) even thought about it for a long time, but yeah, Sailor Lake was the fictional town. Um, And, you know, I don't know if we ever wrapped it up. Like I still get messages all the time. Like, who was it? Like, who? (laughs) Yeah. That's what I'm like. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I thought I was being clever by leaving a clue in a lyric and nobody ever really got it. And like the, the clue is just like the devil's own hand was knotted by the pastor. So it was the, pastor I mean, the whole time. A great line. Was that really the, so that, so that's what it was the whole time, man. Yeah. It's like track two, I think. It's, and I, I know it. First like, thing I, in I that song. Was, <laughs> I thought it was being somewhat obvious, but I don't know. Like, I think also people didn't really want to like, you don't, 
you guess you don't expect it to be the passer, but in my head, I was thinking that would be the most obvious guess because when you watch these movies, it's always the one you don't expect, the one you trust the most, or whatever. That there should have been like I'm I'm just I'm upset that there weren't more not upset but like that there weren't more music videos for that album like that, know, that could have tied the it. there was one music video for that album we didn't right? get to like really like do our whole thing like that would have started added so much to it yeah. I know and the label was into it for a second and then it was supposed to be way more interactive and there's supposed to be like clues. And you could like get on the website and like actually solve it or something, and that right. never really happened. It seemed so. like that's where it was, like you said, it's where it started to <laughs> like started to happen. Then all of a sudden, it just didn't. I'm like, man, like that, that was awesome. But <laughs> it would have. Um, I really think it would have gone over much better in today's day. Yeah, like, hundred percent. Yeah, especially like you said with sites. all the ID channel. You go on Netflix and they have all these serial killer documentaries, and yeah. that's like that's the big thing. This would have been one of the top like five albums of the year if it was if it was and released they, today. You're right they also have like websites or something where you can solve fake crimes have you heard of that they, yeah well they they do that then they do like the what are the, the the rooms you go in and you have to like solve things to get out of the room like oh, yeah. stuff, stuff like that yeah yeah, yeah there's like dinner party kind of right things. yeah Mur- um, murder mystery type things but no you're right if, it, if that came out today and not like 15 years ago whatever it was it definitely would be a lot bigger and we would be able to have like you said on instagram posting different every day a different clue a different video that would have been good worse than a fairy tale yeah, get the guys on the phone get us do a second round <laughs> i know right That'd be all, yeah. i don't know if i can get myself back to that place in my life <laughs> we'll see i don't know the moving on here to the next one uh the hot and heavy the last drop that gorgeous album yeah um that god it seems like so f- short and fast when you like talk about it like yeah. the three albums that we did because nowadays you release sometimes two albums a year or something, but yeah, yeah it was a the, long journey for us. The sound you guys brought back more of the the heavier sound in this one with more yes. more more screaming, more you know heavier breakdown did. type stuff. We wanted one. I mean, I think a lot of bands do this. You go out your second album, you try something different, you want to explore, and I think you can't help but listen to feedback too from fans and what people like. And I think people like worse than fairy tale grew on people as time went on more so. But um, like the diehard fans really liked Worse Than the Fairy Tale, and some of the I, like I think it's my favorite Drop the Gorgeous album. I mean, they're all amazing, but I I do. Yeah. If I had to pick, if I was just gonna put one on, it would be that one from front start to finish. It's amazing. But yeah, and the the whole vibe of it is is really cool. And so this one was like you know obviously not a concept album. We kind of went the opposite direction where one yes we went heavier, kind of more like in vogue, but we wanted to do it like bigger and better. And so we went with uh, Matt Goldman who did, had just done like Define the Great Line nice yeah with um he also worked with adam d on that one they co-produced it mm-hmm. but i mean matt goldman you know he had done the chariot and stuff so like that we were really drawn to go to to matt goldman um because his drum sounds are huge and we just like the way his album sounded and they're very they're way more polished than what worse than a fairy tale was worse than a fairy tale was very raw mm-hmm. like we used a lot of vintage gear and just kind of like just like you know heroin was the same thing with first to last they went more raw on that that was ross robinson as well so we kind of just wanted the raw feel hot and heavy was like we're going like full-on like we want this to sound as, as good as we can make it sound we're going to take full advantage of all that modern recording has to offer and so that's what we did and uh we had a lot of time to do that one you know we had like i think a month and a half we stayed in like atlanta area i want to say it was buckhead and uh, we did like two weeks of pre-pro with that. So 
you know, there was no, no real rush with it. And uh, one interesting thing is we were able to like, I don't know if I can remember the specific song, but I like worked with Josh Scoggin. He helped like write some of the lyrics for one of the songs, which was really, for me, it was awesome. Cause he was like one of my biggest influences, mm-hmm. you know, to get into the post hardcore, like screamo kind of stuff. Um, I wish I, I don't remember which song in particular that was, but <laughs> there is a song on that album, uh, Two Birds, One Stone," which was which would have been the bit, probably the biggest single from that album. Um, originally, a song, a project of yours is Scarlett O'Hara. Was that? Yeah. There's a, there is a band called Scarlett O'Hara. I think we're with two T's. I think I think yours had had one T. Was the difference there? Yeah. But uh, like, what what was what was the deal with that? Did you release anything else under that name or? Was it nah. just that song and it was two birds with one stone and then you, you made it into a Drop Dead Gorgeous song? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I never really had any serious aspirations to do much with that. I just, mm-hmm. like, it was a nice outlet to, like, kind of do more singing style stuff and play some of my own guitar on it and stuff. And, you know, it was pretty different. Um, and, like, that song, like, we really, it almost didn't make the album because it was really. So- it wasn't really like the original before we added like the heavy part in the middle. I mean, it really wasn't at all like a heavier rock song by any right. means. And so like once we kind of put drums on it and, and added that like middle bridge part that kind of got a little heavier, it made more sense on the album. But I mean, for us at the time, it was by far the more, like one of the more popular things we'd ever done. Yeah. I mean, it is, but it's, and, I mean, it's still look at the, the views on that song and listen to that song. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the, probably the most listened to song at least from that album yeah i mean the, like matt really loved it he really liked it. he's like this is awesome like this could, this could almost be on the radio or something. yeah like i mean yeah let's so we ended up doing it and like i mean i guess like it's not necessarily surprising that it that it was one of the more popular songs just because it has a lot of singing you know mm-hmm. i mean there's a lot of singing in it i remember writing that song like at 5 a.m in my bedroom or something and just like super bummed out about some chick that I don't care about anymore you know what I mean and like but when you're like that age you're like whoa you know like that's real emotion and like I couldn't go back and try to write a melody like that if I tried but it's like if it's if it's real at the time and emotional and you're like half asleep you know it's perfect so yeah uh what what was your favorite song on the hot and heavy be then uh hot and heavy that one I think once again might be one of the last song i don't know if it's the last song but i think it is like we're all planning god's laughing mm-hmm. Nice. i like that one a lot i tend to like the really dark super depressing yeah. <laughs> deep the deepest and darkest ones and i think they're usually the last song on the album in most cases but uh yeah so, so we really like that one yeah in vogue i think last song the show must go on and then uh I want to master life and death. Yeah. And then the, the one you just mentioned there. Yep. So moving yeah, I think on. I really like that one too. Which one did the, the last uh, song on uh, hot and heavy. Yeah. I want to master life and death. We both would always just like get drunk and listen to it, <laughs> you know, and just kind of like, damn, this song is, is really, it's just got that chill factor that we like. Definitely. That's what I mean. We're always looking for that like chill factor when you listen to something like when you listen to like a brand new song or something where it's just right. Like, well, then it, hit, it. then it hits you at the end though. Then I want to master life and death. It, then it, gets away from the chill factor and smashes you in the face at the end oh, of yeah that. yeah <laughs> That's that it. used just, to be fun and it keeps going too you think it's gonna end it just keeps coming it's great <laughs> and well, then did it's you ever of, see that one live <laughs> i want to no, i i 
happened. That sucks. But <laughs> so that one, that one was so fun live because we would just keep playing that keep going, yeah. part forever, and we would start <laughs> taking all of our stuff off stage and like we used to like you know take apart the drums and put them in the crowd or i don't remember what we used to do but it used to get pretty insane at the end it just all fell apart and it was really cool that is cool though and then and then at the end of all that then you get back into the piano like nice soft yeah (laughs) it's that's yeah moving on here uh one album here with bleach blonde can you get into the uh the formation of bleach blonde here um still i mean not not as heavy as Drop Dead Gorgeous, um, not not as much screaming or the breakdowns and stuff like that, but still in that same genre and that same uh, realm of music here. But the uh, formation of Bleach Blonde and then uh, just why Drop Dead Gorgeous stopped playing music at that point. Um, so like Bleach Blonde was formed like quite a bit after Drop Dead had stopped touring. I think I don't remember. It's probably like two years. I don't know. I'd have to look at it, but it was a while. It was definitely way over a year. Yeah, maybe two or two or more and we had all like I had taken a break from music for the most part I wasn't really trying to do anything too serious I tried to get a job and do that whole thing and I kind of got the itch again to like I want to start making music again so I just started making a couple demos and like a mutual friend I had knew some other guy that played guitar which was David Mm -hmm. and like he came over and like sang on it or actually no he actually wrote us he wrote a song on guitar and then I put vocals on it and then he came over and we both kind of both sang on it and we're like this is really cool this kind of has that like dual vocal approach like brand or like taking back something that's exactly thing. Like, yeah the, the second I heard Bleach Blonde I'm like man I heard that I heard him sing that cue that the E thing and now I'm hearing this it doesn't sound exactly <laughs> like it but you can it definitely has yeah. that like the dual vocal thing yep so that, that we thought that was cool and we both liked brand new and taking back Sunday so like it was new and fun, man. We hadn't really done music like that before. So we started writing stuff. He had, David had a friend, Cody, who played bass in another band with him that was like a heavier band. So that's how Cody got brought into it. And then, of course, I I sent a song to Cooper and he was like, this is cool. Like he was in living in LA at the time and he actually ended up moving back to Denver so that we could do Bleach Blonde. And uh, then I think Cooper was was close friends with a couple of people that knew uh mike and so that's how we met mike how many drop dead gorgeous members are in bleach blonde we're, we're in bleach blonde it's just two it's just me you and you and cooper and then same with 888 right, mm-hmm. right. well no 888 was cooper and rothy oh so it's the three of you yeah three nice yeah yeah um, um so what would your favorite song off of the uh off of star starving artist be that one do-do-do. I can't even it's hard to remember all the song titles off that specific one to be perfectly honest Miss Messenger was that was that a song on off that, that one that was yeah yeah I remember that one I'm trying to think of like if I were to pick a song I like the most I can think of the song I'm just trying to remember I'll get a track list up real quick ah shoot I'm probably gonna do this again and pick like the last song or second <laughs> to last on the album I think it was like Crystal Clear is the name of it Crystal and it's like Clear. acoustic like was the last song on the album it. <laughs> it was the last song i feel like we always i, I generally <laughs> pick up the last song is always a slow one like that and it's always like more serious and it usually like will take a longer time to build up you know mm-hmm. i kind of like i feel like when you put a song last on the album i usually feel more free to let it build for a long time as opposed to like have this expectation where like all right 30 seconds 
this chorus has to hit within like 30 to 40 seconds and this and that and on the last song on the album I'm like all right if someone's listening to this all the way through they're that obviously point, yeah. they're gonna care about it enough to like give me a chance to really pull them in so I usually I usually try to save that last song to really like build it a lot like slowly and make it have a huge ending you know and, and kind of wrap it up you know you want to wrap up the whole album on that you know by the end of that song you want to be able to kind of wrap up the whole album feel like you've like said your piece you know so the whole album lyrically nice uh moving on here big sound change now in, in a good way though um can you tell us about uh, the formation of 888 the sound change there they said the three members from drop dead gorgeous not playing that heavier style music yeah that one um it kind of like we had Bleach Spawn had done a, some touring and stuff and we were on Rise and then Rise kind of like parted ways with us. So we kind of like, we were trying to like do another album and we've written a lot of songs and you know, they're good, but we just, we couldn't find a label to do anything with. So we kind of like, me and Cooper were always still working on music and kind of just like, we're like, why don't we just try something completely different? Or I wouldn't say completely different, but basically let's emphasize synthesizers more let's let's right. do more modern production and really kind of more what you're hearing on alt radio and stuff like that so we started kind of like doing that and like we didn't have really any specific direction necessarily other than the fact that it was going to be mostly done with synthesizers instead of guitar you know there's like pretty much no guitar on it it's all like synthesizers and um and we did have real drums you know but like we started doing that and like i mean i just i'm trying to think rothy was living in denver at the time he actually i think was almost going to move to nashville or something and mm -hmm. cooper was hanging out a lot with him and he convinced him to stay and we just kind of started working on some songs a pretty like big the, hit there Crit critical mistakes is a pretty big song like yeah over, yeah a bunch of uh, views there pins and needles awesome you guys made more music videos with 888 than you did for for worse than a fairy tale <laughs> that's awesome know, that's, right? good. <laughs> that's good though but uh <laughs> yeah what what would your favorite yeah. song be from that album I, mean, I know i don't think critical mistakes or pins and needles were on the album that you guys put out were, were they no that was like so uh critical mistakes was on our first ep that was one of four songs that we had written i was i think the first or second song but i remember when when I sent that demo out to like Cooper and Rothy, they were just like, damn, this is cool. Mm -hmm. So like, I mean, it evolved over time, but it was very like, the vocals stayed the same. And like, we kind of just built everything around that. And like, we, I mean, we didn't really honestly think that it would ever get on the radio to be perfectly honest. Obviously that was the end goal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but when you've done music, as long as we had done it and never gotten on the radio, we're like, is it even possible? Like, is there some mythical, yeah right way to get on the radio like how does this really work and uh <laughs> we still don't we still don't know how that is how that works but um that i mean that's probably my favorite song mm -hmm. off of that i mean it's hard to not have that be your favorite song with 888 um pins right. and needles is really good too, i was though. gonna say one, one one or the other pins and needles is really good though yeah uh but yeah like you said the first song that's actually getting kind of like play play like that like all the the millions of views there like you said it's kind of hard to not pick that one <laughs> exactly right i mean and just you, you kind of like the crowd response for that one was always just like mm -hmm. so videos good so too, good for yeah. that one to the video yeah. was really turned out really well we had really no idea that people would really be drawn to it as much as they were we were like is this too dark like is it too serious for people um 
but it was the opposite it was right. i think it was i mean it's a, it's not a real documentary a lot yeah. of people were like is this real <laughs> like no it says it on the very beginning right. of the family. it's not <laughs> but um so many people were into it that we actually ended up like partnering with the forgiveness project i think mm -hmm. is what it was and it's just like this um this foundation that literally just works with people that have like gone through hard things in their life and forgiving people for you know things that people have done to them and like that's that was the basis of the video and like man it was such a great thing like it was perfect because like critical was buzzing on local radio and then that video dropped and people were like grown men were crying and it was like it kind of like helped to go a little viral for us and mm -hmm. like that was huge that was huge it couldn't have been better timing for us like that yeah that's the way awesome. that video dropped and uh yeah man we, we'd always get people just commenting on like that video and stuff and, i mean are you guys working on any kind of any new music i saw on instagram you were like you're you're producing and mixing music as well you want to tell, talk a little about that or if there's any new uh 888 stuff coming out um 888 is kind of up in the air like we're just kind of on hiatus um mm -hmm. like i gotta you know once my kid like i've once i learned i was expecting a kid I kind of had to put 88 on the back burner for a little bit. Right. And so it kind of shifted to like, maybe I'll go to school for sound engineering a little bit and start working on that craft. Cause I've always had a passion for that. And every time I'm in a studio recording my own stuff with other people, I'm always like trying to learn stuff at the same time, you know, I'm like, mm -hmm. damn, like, I just think it's fascinating how you can make music sound. And um, so, I mean, I've been doing that a lot, you know, producing, writing, mixing stuff with some of my, uh, my friend Brandon Tomlinson, he's putting out stuff. He's going to be putting out a couple singles in the, the next month or so and some videos. So that'll be cool. Yeah. And uh, I'm working on stuff. I haven't decided what I'm going to do with like anything that I'm kind of writing, whether I'm going to like just like write stuff for some other people or if I want to actually put it out on my own, because if I'm not going to tour it, it's like, yeah, is that, right. should I do that? Or like, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to waste it or something, but like, I'm just kind of trying to figure all that out. Is it more of that 88 style or getting a little heavier with the drop dead gorgeous style or come on? I mean, it's, come on. <laughs> it's, it's not so heavy. I mean, it's not that right. I wouldn't do something heavier, this or that. I just, I mean, when I'm making music by myself, I tend to not make as heavy mm -hmm. because like, it's hard to like, you know, if you're sitting on your computer, like to somehow be like, let me pick up a guitar, you do a whole bunch of chuggy breakdowns and like, it's like, I don't know you just don't if you're not in a room with a band playing it together i just don't get inspired to do that kind of music with like right. a loud pa just screaming like my head off like in that scenario i'd be inspired to write that kind of music but just based on budgets and stuff it's like so much easier to like you know have a computer or a laptop whenever inspiration strikes you and and make something more electro so i tend to do more of that um but i i do like the the really like uh 80s stuff i love analog synthesizers and stuff so i'm always kind of trying to play with that you know real washed out kind of sound stuff like that yeah but um some of the stuff is, is more 888 sounding so we'll see i don't know nice awesome uh the show is called for the bird based out of pittsburgh pennsylvania here uh do you have any favorite like venues or show memories places you'd go if you can remember anything while, while on tour in pittsburgh 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 is actually I don't think we've been there as much as a lot of the other places and um what were some of the venues in Pittsburgh I'm trying to think I'm trying to think maybe where you guys would have played like Mr. Smalls maybe uh it's like an old church uh converted into a 
Oh yeah. The venue. Yeah. So that's yeah. like outside of the city, right? Yeah, technically, of? yeah. It's it's right there though, but yeah. Is that the one that's on like an insane hill? Yeah, it's on a big hill. There's like nothing really to do around there. <laughs> yes, than, yes, I remember that, yeah. that one. <laughs> I mean, that one's fun, man. That's an interesting one. There's actually always a really good turnout there. Mm-hmm. And it's creepy, man. Kind of just yeah. creepy because you're in an old church. And it's an yep. old-looking church, you know. And uh, it kind of feels weird, like, screaming and, and like, cursing about and the, stuff. Like, singing about the church. devil's own hand being nodded by the pastor exactly. in a church. <laughs> exactly, man. It always kind of creeps you out and weirds you out a little bit, so. And I think, like, the backstage there is, like, totally, like, some, like, weird, like, I don't know, convent. I don't know. I don't know. It's just. Yeah. No, I've never creepy, been back man. there. I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Though. It's weird, man. It's just eerie and weird. And uh, there's, like, an upstairs area that people would always try to go in and look. And there's always some weird stuff up there. And, like, weird dolls <laughs> or something, I think. That's, that's crazy. Uh, do you know what the term yeah. jagoff means by chance? No. Jag off is like a Pittsburgh term for like asshole, dickhead, douchebag, whatever. Oh, uh, no. I ask, I ask every guy on the show. It's totally up to you how you want to answer it. I'm betting about five, about five hundred on this question, so it's totally up to you. Uh, being in in these bunch of bands, going on tour, meeting a bunch of famous people. Um, anybody that you were excited to meet or that you met that turned out to be a jag off, and you can't say me for uh, hitting up your Instagram a billion times. So I, oh <laughs> no, dude, you were fine, man. You're persistent, and honestly, if anyone that knows me. It's not a personal thing. I just, I'm so oh, bad kidding. at communication. I am the worst with texting back and stuff like that. I'm so bad. I don't even text my mom back very well. Like I'm, the worst. <laughs> but um, I think I get it from my dad. He's the same way. As far as like people I've met that disappointed me, I don't honestly, I don't think I really have. And maybe I just haven't met enough people that I really wanted to meet. Like it's not like I've met Johnny Depp or something. Right. Like, yeah. I feel like you're more likely to meet someone like that and be disappointed than you are like, I mean, in the music community, like everybody's so nice, like mm-hmm. such a small world. Nobody's like going to be a dick to you because that's not going to get you far. To be right. honest. Um, you know, like as far as like, honestly, I would say the opposite. Like I've met more people that have, that have been really awesome and really nice, you know? Nice. Um, couple of fan questions here uh do you or anybody in the band have any weird or in any band i guess have any uh weird superstitious pre-show rituals or anything like that before taking stage no i i mean not not at all i mean my a lot of people like will get really try to get really hyped up before they get on and stuff like that or do like mm-hmm. some kind of like go team kind of thing yeah um, i'm usually the opposite i try to like stay like really chill about it you know like not I kind of like try to do the opposite of my mind. Like instead of getting super excited about it, I try to like, cause I know the adrenaline is going to hit me when I get on there anyway. So I'm usually trying to like, like honestly pretend like I'm not even there. Like just like, just try to play it down so that when I get on there, I'm not so hyped up that I'm just like sweating or whatever. Next here. Uh, what band have you seen most live as a fan, not being on tour with, but as a fan? Uh, probably. I think what band I've seen the most. I mean, I've seen a lot of Blink shows. I saw mm-hmm. a lot of Blink shows. Um, I've seen Take Back Sunday a few times. I'd say those two are the most. I've nice. seen Blink and Take Back Sunday the most. I've seen them together, you know, with like Selma yeah. Cypress Hill or something. It was really? like, yeah. I think it was like Jimmy E World. So crazy. I saw Take Back Sunday, Jimmy World. Actually, that was with Angels and Airwaves, I think. Taking back Sunday, yeah. Jimmy World, Angels and Airwaves, I think, were they, they toured together. I was at that tour, yeah. that, that show, too. Uh, before I get into other fan questions here, we've mentioned Taking Back Sunday like 20 times. So, Taking Back Sunday are brand new. 
Oh my gosh, you're gonna make me choose. That's like choosing oh, yeah. your favorite your favorite <laughs> child, right? <laughs> right. I know where I'm at. I'm a thousand but I'm definitely taking back Sunday, but I've yeah, couple, I think I've had a couple guys on the show that would that would mention taking back Sunday and things, so I would make I would make them answer taking back Sunday over new, but I think if I had to pick one or the other, it'd be taking back Sunday just because of like how inspiring they were to me. Like right. more so than brand new was in my specific genre and everything like mm-hmm. that. And so you could definitely um, tell on some of those, like the bleach blonde stuff, even I think the way you even tape your microphone was, was kind of like how Adam would tape his microphone. I think oh, yeah. so. From what I can remember from back then. It was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, honestly, everybody, you know, it's like, I feel like you kind of started that whole mic I, swinging yeah, thing. I like definitely did. Yeah. Tape your I mean, there have been dudes out. that would like swing it, but how he did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he'd take us to, to a whole nother level. Yeah. Man. Like, it was like, like, an, videos like an art of, form of him doing it. Like, yeah, it was crazy. The first time I saw him do that live, I was like, holy crap. Like, what in the hell is he doing? Like, it's like <laughs> black, it's like black magic sometimes. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I don't even know how he like, does it. I mean, like, the how, like, how he well never he never messes it. up. Like, no. He never like hits himself in the face. Never. He hits other it, band like, members. I had Fred Mascherino from Taking Back Sunday on the show. Yeah. And I asked him, like, how the hell did you stay away from that microphone? Because he, he said he got hit like once in the in the thumb, I think, other than that. But a couple of the guys wow, got hit in the amazing. head. And <laughs> he said, they, I he, remember their you know, bass player got hit. That's when they made that shirt. They made that blue shirt with the microphone wrapped around the, the <laughs> neck with the bloody microphone on it because I think it was Matt Rubano or Rubano that yeah, got hit. Man. Yeah, man. That's, that's crazy. Um, next uh, fan question here. Uh, if your band could tour with just one other band for the rest of your career, who would that band be and why? And it could be any of the any of the bands. Oh, you're talking about like um, bands we've actually toured with? Just any band. And it doesn't matter if you've toured with them or not. It could be because they're fun to tour with. It could be because you'd want to play a sold-out stadium show for the rest of your career. Open up for like Metallica about, like, or something. <laughs> in the past, too? Yeah, any any band ever, yep. Oh, man. I feel like... Shoot, I mean, uh, uh, I would probably want to tour with, I mean, if you're talking about the fun days of Blink-182, I think that would be the funnest tour. Yeah, to be nice. Like back in the, like the take off your pants and jacket days and like Enema the State Dude Ranch stuff. Yeah. Not so much now because they're, you know, we're right. all older now, but yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I could have much more fun than that. I mean, I guess you could say like Motley Crue or something, but. Right. That's a little too much for me. I don't yeah. think I want to go <laughs> to that level. <laughs> funny. Uh, last one here. We kind of touched on it earlier with uh, making music. Will we ever get a drop that gorgeous union? Has it ever been talked about uh, either in a form of like a, a reunion show or tour or even a, a, a new album or new music, anything like that? I mean, it's kind of been, a, you know, we've discussed it at times. It's more at this point, just a logistical thing. It's like, mm-hmm. It's more realistic we would maybe release a single or an EP or something at some point. Um, as far as touring, it's just like we have bills. It's like right, you can't yeah. – when you're younger and you don't have to pay rent or a mortgage or something, it's like you can get in a van, sleep in it, whatever. Yeah. You don't have to make any money. I mean, you get fed at the venue, that kind of thing. But, like, we're – our backs can't handle that sleeping in a van thing anymore anyways. <laughs> but the other thing is, like, we all have jobs. And it's like to actually, like, play a show, it would take probably, like, a month. Right. To like re- relearn all the songs, re- yeah. re- rehearse them, set it up, find our gear. It doesn't work anymore. Like, where is it? <laughs> Half the time I'll get a, I'll get a text from like Jake, our bass player. He's like, do you know where my like bass amp is? I don't <laughs> even know where it is. Like, dude, I don't know. It's been like 10 years. I have no idea. Um, but we talk about it. It's not, it's not, you know, not completely off the table. That's good. That's a good it's just, <laughs> it's just hard, man. It's just yeah. hard to get it all together. For sure. Um, do you want to say or, or plug anything before uh, we get off here? I know you you uh, 
just posted you were doing that featured X thing that a lot of the guys were posting. If you yeah. want to talk about that, where people can find that. Yeah, I mean that's just featuredx.com, you know. Um, I'll I'll tag it on the thing when I post yeah, it. Yeah, tag too. it on there. Um, yeah, it's like if you if you're looking for some vocals, you know, whether it's the drop dead kind of stuff, that would be fun for me to do. I haven't done yeah. it in a long time, or you know, something more like eight 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 or bleach blonde. More than happy to accommodate all that stuff, and uh, you know, also it's like if you if you're looking for production, mixing, or some songwriting, you know, I'm always available on hit me up on instagram awesome just don't hit them up like i did i'm sorry but <laughs> we, no, we made I mean, it work I though. Like, <laughs> i'm not i'm not a big interview especially yeah i'm just not a big interview guy in general but um especially when there's a pandemic going on and everything right. i was just like i'm glad i was able to do it and you know just make it easy on me man you have good questions and stuff sometimes you do an interview <laughs> and it's like it's hard to do it because there's not good questions or something and it's like I'm not one to carry an interview at all. Right. So yeah. like, it's, it's good that you have a, you have good questions and good knowledge of everything. Cause not all interviews are like that. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Nope. Mr. Pop.